Welcome to At The Root with Greg Kuyper. Greg is a practicing psychotherapist, holistic life coach, recovering addict and alcoholic, and a deeply spiritual person. Greg has found that at the root of everything is connection. Not Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, but emotional connection. First with ourselves and then with others. I am Stacy, Greg's producer, and more importantly, just like you, his target audience. Hello to Greg. Hello, Stacy. How are you? I'm great. Good to see you again. Well, I mean, I love seeing you every week. It's it's therapy. We've talked about this. So we are going to actually pivot. We have spent the last six or seven weeks talking about the theory of this, and now we're going to go into practice. Right. We've talked about connection, mindfulness, uh, the external, internal, and real selves, and so much time and so much more. So I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Okay. I'm going to ask the questions that people Uh want to know about this. So one of the questions that I think people have is, how do you differentiate between your external self, your internal self, and your real self? Now, what I mean by that is, are there physical cues, things that you feel when you're in one, when you're being one self versus another? Are there verbal cues? Um, things like when you find yourself saying, I should, mm-hmm. or I need to, or things like that. Um, are there some cues that as we are trying to learn about these layers of self mm-hmm. that we can listen for? Wow. Okay. Well, when I differ- differentiated between external self and internal self, the external self is more of what we have to be out in the world every day, right? We have to be a parent. We have to be a teacher. We have to be a coworker. We have to be an employee. Uh, all of those factors are the external self, and it's how much is how much of our real self is in there, right? And the internal self is more of. I mean, it plays right into the external self, right? Because if we're the internal self is um, what we've been programmed for so long to be, right? The way we react, the way we think, the way we feel, all of these things have been uh, given to us or handed to us or driven into us over, over time. And of course they are, of course the external part, uh, the external self is comprised of the internal self because we have to Use that as we're functioning in out in the world, right? So I'm not answering your question yet, but no, but I'm you, getting closer. But you are, and it, and <laughs> and that's why. So that's why we're getting into we're going from the theory to the practice because what I'm hearing you say is that the external self then is, for instance, I am a mother. So right. that's just one of my myself. That's an right. external self. It's here nor there. It's nothing. Right. Now my internal self is how my family of origin, how my experiences, my own experience as a child, my things that I take in um, with my husband or reading an article in Parenting Magazine or just witnessing things, all of those influences then inform this internal self and how I do this job of parenting. Right. I mean... We, we gain all that over time, right? Some of it's good, some of it's bad. How do you judge it? It's just there. It's who we are. It's how we react. It's how we 
um, learn. It's the, all the experiences we have, and that's all molded us into this internal self, this person that we are, Okay. this consciousness, if you will. So then I'm going to say, then there's the, the real self piece. Right. That let's say as a parent, I feel like, okay, I should really uh, set a certain bedtime or I should really make sure that my kid does this or that. And you're basing some of these things on, again, how you were raised, what you're being told, those kinds of things. But what if your real self, this sort of, let's say, fire within, Mm -hmm. Uh, tells you that you need to do something a little bit different for this kid or for the way that you parent. So if I hear what we've been talking about with this this idea, then there may be a real self that if you stop and you're quiet and you listen to it, it may help inform you. Yes, it will help inform you. I mean, the real self, I call it the real self. Often it's referred to as the true self. Mm-hmm. In what you were born with. For instance, if you're a person with a lot of anxiety right now or depression, you weren't born with anxiety or depression. You acquired it over time due to circumstances and uh, programming through all these years, right, from people's influences. And so... You're not that. You, your real self is what you were born with, that pure um, spiritual mm-hmm. place. That's what I call it. Um, a consciousness that has always been there. Uh, for me, this is my explanation sure, for, sure, sure. for consciousness. And uh, uh, other people have different ways they feel it, uh, God or whatever you wish, but... Um, this pure self that you're born with gets masked over and gets hidden and gets, uh, we talked about it last week, pushed way back to the bus and covered mm-hmm. with all the baggage and you, you don't even have it for a long time. Oh, or you have it, but you don't feel it. You don't see it. So back to what you were saying about the, um, the parenting. If we can be quiet enough and we give ourselves enough time to listen to the inner self, find it first, and then listen to it, uh, we can find much more, a much more intuitive, guided, spiritual answer to our questions. And we can uh, overcome, I'm not sure that's the right word, but the the internal self that has taken over mm-hmm. the real self. I mean, uh, for some people, this is reactivity, right? I mean, they just react, can become very angry, irritable. And so there is something that's being presented to your children, let's say, or to a spouse or whatever. That's what they're getting is that reactivity. Is that the real you? No. But it is the internal self that has developed over time. Mm -hmm. And this kind of all goes back to uh, what we were talking about recently. 
the awareness piece, right? Being right. aware of what's going on, our thoughts and our emotions and uh, beliefs, experiences is going, that are going on around us, being aware of those so that we can catch it when we're being reactive, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I can give an example of this, I think. Sure. So I'm thinking about, for instance, my and my husband's relationship with religion. We were both raised as practicing Catholics, mm-hmm. went to church each week, you know, um, the classic you know, jaw clench from mom as she dragged us in, like, you better behave. (laughs) And then, you know, the jaw clench on the way out, you didn't. Um, And I remember thinking, like, did we learn nothing? And so, you know, Pete and I went through, because I'm thinking of this external role of parent, right, Uh and that we're supposed to be, um, and Catholic, um, that we're supposed to be, informing our children of this and that this is it. And we went through a lot of the sacraments with the kids. So then there's this internal dialogue that we have as our kids get older, and it's the, you know, we should be having them confirmed. We should be making them go to church each week. We should Mm -hmm. be doing all of these things, which is part of that narrative of how we were raised um, as children and what we witnessed as Catholics and children and what we saw our parents do, so modeling. And... But then our real selves, the the piece that we had to sit down and talk about as a couple is, do we care if our kids are part of organized religion or do we want them to understand that there is something bigger than them out there and whether they choose to follow God or Buddha or whatever mm-hmm. um, is more important. So is that, you know, a way of sort of thinking about those things? Yeah, Yes. Yeah, being more open, right? I mean, if um, being more aware of the options and the alternatives, you're not um, driving that home like it was driven home to you. You know, I'm not. A, I'm not a. I don't want to have a debate on religion here. Right, right. Or, or That's whatever. not the point I of mean, this. It's this is... Whatever works for you to, to have a spiritual inner self that uh, is kind, compassionate, especially to yourself. Right. And to others. And whatever helps you believe that and know that and, and find that internal true self, the real mm-hmm. self, that is... What's for you? Well, and I'm using that example of, you know, as a parenting thing, you know, and bringing sure. up the the parenting that, you know, in that external role as parent, you have the internal dialogue that is formed from mm-hmm. your experiences and your own mm-hmm. family of origin. And then sometimes your, your real self doesn't completely drink the Kool-Aid. And starts to, because you've maybe explored and you've been quiet Mm -hmm. with it or whatever, starts to realize that, yes, and it's going to look a little bit different or what I do is going to look a little bit different. And so having that conversation then in this example of a parenting piece, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as you say, the, the religion piece, that's set aside. It's more the choice of how we're going to introduce our kids to faith and religion and spirituality and those kinds sure. of things. So our gut 
in having a conversation, our real selves said that, you know, doing it in the traditional way didn't necessarily make sense. So in exploring what we felt individually and then together, that's what we, so, you know, so I'm understanding it to mean that that's what you feel like we should do, like explore those things. Definitely explore those things. The real self is the true self uh, doesn't drink the Kool-Aid. It's not part of the true self's existence. It is uh, the external forces that we deal with every day, thoughts, emotions, anxieties, depressions, whatever it is, uh, all of the programming that we've gotten from our parents or from uh, teachers, et cetera, um, all of that is not part of the real self. And the real self is uh, pure, if you will. It's right. your intuition. It's, it's, it's that knowing you have sometimes uh, in a, a beautiful nature experience. We've all felt this from time to time. And, it's, you know, if you're a meditator or, you're, or, or, or you practice uh, uh, breathing uh, exercises like that, you find it more frequently because it's there. Mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. It's there for you anytime you want it. Um, but we've all experienced it out in the world just in a, in a beautiful moment of nature or a musical piece mm-hmm. that just floods over you. I mean, that is the real self right mm-hmm. there. And we can all exist every day much more in that real self if we just try with a little awareness. I'm not going to say we can do it all the time. I don't think it's impossible, you know. I right. mean, it's it's I maybe mean, some monks in Tibet. I was just going to say, you know, like, maybe <laughs> they can ohm all day and be there, right? But that's not us. Right. We can't do it in their, in our society here. But if we can do it, if we can use that b- balanced real self more in our decisions every day, uh, or yeah, monitoring our reactivity um, and just using that more in our decisions than the external peace, the existence, the things that have been given to us, driven into us for so long. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. does make sense. I'm thinking there's two things that have come through my head, one being this idea that, you know, we tell our kids when we're raising them that – you know, when they have a reaction about something like, okay, let's count to three, let's calm down, maybe you want to start over, mm-hmm. and that we forget to do that for ourselves. That, oh, yeah. you know, when a kid comes in with, you know, the snake in their hand, <laughs> and, you know, you're thinking like, insert string of expletives here, right. um, that you need to, you know, okay, oh, look, you know. <laughs> You found something. How wonderful. And, you know, and now (laughs) get it out of here. Uh, But the point being that, you know, not being so reactionary and really thinking about our words and how we speak. And then the other thing that comes to mind is um, when our children, again, when our kids are children and they throw a tantrum or if they fall down, for instance, Mm -hmm. not to go with the first reaction. That, you know, like they look to you for how to react. So, you know, they fall off a bike and they may not be hurt, but they're looking to you to see what happens. And that you create space for them to decide for themselves for a moment how to react. Right. And again, it's like it's taking me to what 
we need to do, take a moment for ourselves before we react. Right, and, 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 and that way we can also monitor things like, don't do that. Right. You know, I mean, those are the things that were modeled to us, or at least to me. And uh, if we can just allow it to, allow that space around those kids, it's very helpful. Let's take a break, and when we come back, I, I want to explore some instances um, that maybe you have run into in your practice um, around this. Sure. All right, Let's we'll be right it. back. Hi, I'm JDK Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show Is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. We're back with At The Root with Greg Kuyper. He is, um, he's the expert and I'm (laughs) the one with all the questions. (laughs) Well, that's good. So before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, I was kind of ferreting out some examples of uh, how these, how these different selves can show up. And I suspect that in your practice and probably even within your own life, this idea of connecting with yourself before you... Um, connect with connect others, with others. Right. and so you know seeing how that plays out in a relationship so let's say that you're not so good at that like many of us aren't how can that then manifest in your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your child or you know whatever so what are ways that you've seen that disconnect with self then manifest into disconnect with this other person oh uh, many many times in couples therapy relationships right because that's a that's what this is all about connection with others right relationships and and many times I see it in one partner or the other um, you're not you're not listening to me mm-hmm. you don't hear me uh, you don't feel me you talk over me you know there's a lot of this you 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 stuff but being able to communicate on that vulnerable level way down there where where you can be yourself, your true self, and they can be their true self and communicate from that level. Uh, In those scenarios where uh-huh. somebody says, you know, you're not hearing me. So what's interesting is in those scenarios, and I'm thinking naturally, I'm projecting myself into this. We'll be married for 29 years in June. And, you know, the growth that happens, the kids leave the house, all these kinds of things. So if there is personal growth with one person where, let's say, the the wife is coming in and saying, you know, my husband's not hearing me. He's not listening to all these things. Does that mean then that one of the spouses is more potentially in touch with 
that real self and they want to connect on that level and the other one is not in touch? Uh, most often that's what I see. Okay. Right. Right. Um, one, one partner has always been a little more in touch with themselves or is learning this through their own therapy or working with people or, or have come to this realization and they're, and they're working on it very hard and the other person is not. And it becomes very apparent when there's nothing else going on. Kids are gone. Mm-hmm. Now they're together. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've retired. Now they're really together a lot. <laughs> or and, there's a pandemic. Yeah, or there's a <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, like now and you're really together a lot. And so the problem with with the connection between the two is that it's a reciprocal exchange of sensitivities and awareness, right? Reciprocal exchange. Mm-hmm. That's the attunement we've been talking about. And if if one is wants that and the other one has no clue, I'm not saying they don't want it. They just don't know. Sure. They don't know. They've been doing it this way for 30 years. What do you want now? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what do you want from me? I, I hear it all a, the time. What I do you want from me? I gave you a ring. I gave you money. <laughs> right. I hear it all the time. It's just, well, I don't get it. What do you want? You're not hearing me. I'm hearing you. I'm right here. I hear you. But they're not hearing the feelings that are behind it, that deep, vulnerable exchange, right? And so it's all surface level stuff, a lot of eggshell stuff, right? Right. All the time. So then it sounds like really what some of the work that you need to do then is guide that spouse into hearing themselves right so that they can be present and more attuned to to hear what the other spouse is saying that's right and sometimes that works in a couple's environment i've got several couples now i'm working with and and the partner that doesn't know what's going on and it's really wants to know it, it is willing and so we can work on it in a couple situations. Sometimes it requires um, uh, uh, both both parties getting individual therapy. Sure. Right. Sure. And then come and and continuing the couples therapy and bringing in what they're learning. Um, it's like getting um, extra extra work tutoring. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, so. So then that creates a bigger dialogue than, you know, as you say, presumably the couple that perhaps doesn't get it, Mm -hmm. uh, but clearly they care enough because they've showed up. Right. And so then you work on it with them together, perhaps with them separately so that they can really explore what this means. And then, you know, the other person presumably can deal with like, so what are you going to do if they can't get in touch? How does this... um, how does this lack of connection to self also show up? I know you work with a lot of young people. Mm. So, you know, this is a big hard pivot, but then how does that show up as well? I see it a lot in uh, young people, adolescents mainly, or, you know, preteens and teens, because they've finally become their own. You know, they're coming out there, they're realizing that, they have opinions and that they're valuable and mm-hmm. and they can make decisions. They can try to make decisions and they, uh, they're they no longer... Drinking the Kool-Aid. Drinking the Kool-Aid. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and the people that are pouring the Kool-Aid 
are still pouring the Kool-Aid. Right. And they keep pouring the Kool-Aid and keep pouring the Kool-Aid. And, and the kids don't want to drink it, right, because it's, it's uh, not to their liking and not to the way they're feeling. And um, so they um, really experience this is a critical time because they're experiencing their true self at this time. Mm-hmm. Right, 12, 13, 14, that's right when all this brain development happens. And they're starting to really pull and understand their true self. It's always been there since they were born. But they're finally understanding it, and it's being, uh, if it's not being allowed, that, that growth, that understanding being allowed because they are being pushed and they're still drinking a lot of Kool-Aid or forced mm-hmm. to drink a lot of Kool-Aid, right? right? We're, we're wearing out this metaphor. but No, we're uh, not. I don't, th- I don't think we are at all. I mean, I'm hearing you say that, like, okay, the parents may need to pour the Kool-Aid, but maybe the kid gets to choose which flavor. Right. In order to retain a little bit of their true selves. Right. They're, they're trying to figure out their true self. And what they've been hearing for these first 10 or 11 years is the programming and the, the teachings of someone that is probably modeling to their kids what they were modeled mm-hmm. and what their grandparents modeled to them. I mean, it's just it's very intergenerational. And allowing these kids to uh, experience this on their own with structure. I mean, you can't just turn them loose. Right. But... Uh, we, I, I'm seeing so many teens that are so distressed by this, just uh, depressed, so anxious. I know, I know where we need to go next week. I'm going to have questions about that. Okay, let's so, go there. Um, yeah. So next yeah. week we're going to go there, the place okay. that no one dares go. In the meantime, uh, if people want to get in <laughs> touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on my website at Kuiper Counseling. Um, uh, Instagram, Facebook, I'm there, Kuiper yep, Counseling. all under Kuiper Counseling. So go ahead and reach out to Greg if you have any questions that you want us to discuss on the show. In the meantime, any words of wisdom? Well, just stay aware out there, everybody. That's perfect. 